to the Gym Podcast. Uncut, unfiltered, unreal. Welcome everyone to the Gym Podcast. Welcome back. Joining me as always is the one, the only, Randy Darsh. Hello everybody. I'm excited for the week. Is it episode three, episode four? Episode four. We have episode zero, so. Episode anyway, we have joining us this week as well a guest, the one, the only, <gasps> Damaside Up. Thank you for having me in. Long-time listener, first-time caller. It's a privilege and an honor. Yeah, with uh, Alabama's recent struggles, I felt like I needed a little bit of backup to emotionally support me through some of these episodes, so there we go. It's got to be rough for you guys. I mean, this has been probably the worst year Bama's ever had in your lifetime? Not ever, but, you know. Um, anyway, without further ado, we'll do a, a quick week three recap. Um, just kind of talk about, we're going to talk about some narrative games. Narrative you know. games, okay. So, for whatever reason, Jimbo's locks of the week and Jimbo's predictions have been pretty spot on this year so far. He's Jim, Str- Jim Stradamus, as one might say, because his lock of the week was South Carolina beating Georgia. <laughs> yeah. the first half. It looked like that's what was going to happen. I was wrong. But... It, you are wrong, but you're you are right in spirit. It's like a moral. Yeah, I'll take the moral victory on this one. That one was closer than I think a lot of people anticipated. And for what it's worth, I think Georgia was exposed, which is really what I'm going for. Like people aren't talking about it, but but low key, I think Georgia was exposed. I don't know if exposed is the right word, but like they're ultimately not this behemoth powerhouse. You yeah, know, like they they can be beat. They're going to have weaknesses. Mm-hmm. They still they play hard. They fight hard. You know, something I wish we could say about our team. Oh, they the look like they're like ready. Was literally, everyone's Super Bowl. Think so? That's mm-hmm. also true. Georgia is South Carolina's Super Bowl, and I mean that's fair point, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Bama for Bama versus USF. We'll talk about that real quick. Yeah, uh, I guess we kind of figured out our quarterback situation a little. It's kind of like a process of elimination. So, obviously, Buckner's not the guy. Ty Simpson, you know, he's a freshman, and he plays like a freshman. Mm -hmm. He could use some work. But it was actually just announced right before we started recording that Jalen Miller is going to be the week one starter. And there were a lot of rumors and comments from Saban that basically alluded to the fact that Jalen Miller was soft suspended for this game based on how he... Uh, reacted to the Texas loss and kind of the news that another quarterback would get a shot. So that's very interesting. I pray that Buckner is like quarterback eight for the rest of the year. It, you cannot go five or 14. I don't care if it's like a a tsunami, a hurricane. I do not care. You he cannot go five or 14. Was Buckner that bad? He was, he was terrible. Just go watch the first half of our game and you'll see. I wish... The Notre Dame fans of our of our show, fans of our show, should have uh, warned us a little better. I think. Oh, yeah. it's their fault. I'm going to put that responsibility on them. Wow. I personally think they tried, but you know, they we didn't. didn't, didn't really believe them. Jeez. Well, you guys did win, which is more than Tennessee can say. They faced Florida this week, and in my mind, blew their one shot at the playoffs. I mean, not that Tennessee was a playoff team, but they were, like, ranked, what, 11, I think, heading into that game? Kind of on the fringe, but it's it's Jover. They look terrible. Literally Jover. Joe Milton is not it. Um, Their offense, here's the thing, is more than anything, I don't even think it's about their specific playoff chances. I think it's just they got exposed that they're going to have a long season. I believe the haters could say that Joe Milton was indeed Joverated for the third straight college that he's been to. By the way, this is his third college. It is. And he's still mediocre. 
Did Unfortunate. You know, did you know that Joe Milton played Graham Mertz back in 2020? Wisconsin versus Michigan. Look it up. I'm looking. I'm looking at his career stats and game logs, and I'm seeing games as far back as 2018. So it's <laughs> quite the journey, man. Then it did. That's crazy. Quite the journey, man. Well, it's okay, Tennessee fans. We'll we'll be in there with you. Any other games, Randy, that stood out to you this last week? I think really, that's all we're going to really talk about. There's some other games that have some interesting storylines and narratives that are kind of building for some of these teams, but we will probably talk about them a little bit in the later in the episode that's just true. as an extension of, you know, to talk about that team, if so to speak. It's true. We have a, um, lot, so... of, a lot of mail this week, for sure. We have a lot. We have a big mailbag. So what we're going to move on to next is the this was their Super Bowl segment. Um, I think they have a good answer for this. I'm going to give it to Colorado. I'm sorry, but you cannot. You were 28 point favorites against the group of five school. I understand, mm-hmm. you know, Colorado has a set of special circumstances right now, but come on. Storming the field. And the storming game. the field against the mid-major. Can't do it. You I mean, I it. Yeah, no. Unless you are a mid-major. Florida State, when they did it against Florida, it was like their first big year. Like, they took down their rival. They they played. They, they actually looked like a team for the first time in many years. But Colorado, man, it is week three. It is week three. And you're storming the field against a bad Colorado State who <laughs> took you through the gutter right into overtime. Yeah, Did I mean, we ever get to see what happened with like, was there an end of game handshake between uh, Jay Norvell and Deion Sanders? I know they had some kind of weird beef thing going on. I really wish I was awake to, to see. Yeah, dude, that, that game it ended like two a.m. or something. Like, I, 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 I didn't watch the whole thing, at least not live. Right? It just it went on way too long. Thankfully, that won't be possible when Colorado plays USC in a few weeks because that is big noon, baby. Ayo. Nine a.m. Pacific kickoff let's is it, is it at usc uh, i hope so because it'd be very funny <laughs> no one's gonna be there that's awesome okay i would love to see a 9 a.m 10 a.m college football game <laughs> so uh, i guess to build off this gonna be electric yeah. all five of them to build off the question like so obviously i think colorado wins their own super bowl this week like that's definitely the team if i had to pick another team that like this was their super bowl this might be a fringe one but i, I think both of you will will like this take auburn Beating Samford forty-five to thirteen. The thing, the thing is, I'm seeing a lot of Auburn trash talk uh, this week because you know Bama's kind of been having a down year, right? I think Auburn like actually thinks they're in a position to win the SEC West, and this big win over Samford is just kind of reiterating that, and it, it really irks me. Here's the thing about Auburn fans: the Bama sign up will back me up on this. They pretend to be self-deprecating, but they're also arrogant while being self-deprecating. They do this thing where they try to play both sides of it. Yet they also celebrate every single win as if it's their Super Bowl. It's just how they are. They're like, they're the Minnesota of the SEC. Literally every game. It's crazy. Can I get a freeze warning in the chat as they get clobbered by a mediocre Texas A&M Saturday? Here's hoping. They do play at Texas A&M this week, and that's just going to be, no matter who wins that game, it's going to be funny. So (laughs) I'm going to get into that. That is very true. It will be hilarious either way. All right. Any teams for you, uh, Bama side up, besides those two obvious uh, Super Bowls? I'd like to give a shout-out to a to, uh, in-state mid-major. Shout-out South Alabama. Blowing out Oklahoma State like it was indeed their Super Bowl. They played their hearts out out at Cowpoke's own home turf. 
and went crazy on them. What was it, like 33 to 7? Yeah. It was 33 to 7 was the final score. South Alabama just destroyed Oklahoma State. And nobody, I guess, saw that coming because I remember hearing about Oklahoma State all season, all offseason. I was like, oh, yeah, they had all this portal, portal turnover, <laughs> but the guys they're replacing them with are actually better. And it's like, eh, eh, they just lost 33 to 7 to South Alabama. So if we want something really ironic, let's give a. Super Bowl shout-out to the entire Big 12 Conference for their only two ranked teams being teams that they're going to lose at the end of the <laughs> you see year. The, they're only two ranked ones. Did you see the tweet from, like, the Big 12 Conference Twitter where they're like, you know, oh, yeah. yeah, they're ranked teams. It's Oklahoma and Texas. It's like, you guys are like, so bad. <laughs> oh, man. They did. We did have a Big 12 win over Arkansas, but I guess that just goes in line with the SEC just kind of sucking this year. Literally the worst it's been since 2005, and that might not even be the year to put it, maybe even earlier than that. To be fair, I think a lot of uh, there's been a lot of chaos in general this year, and I, like weirdly enough, it feels like the Pac 12 is the only good conference. I feel like it's just fate, like this is just God being mad at us for the Pac 12 disintegrating. But it I don't know, it kind of feels that way. They look great, they because I was actually looking, I think it was um Stanford's schedule where they're about to play eight ranked teams in a yeah. row in conference play. It's like never had before, yeah. The pack looks decent, that's insane. I think a lot of it has to do with portal turnover. Like, while the portal can be a decent tool to use, ultimately, I think it leads to a lot of a lack of team cohesion. Mm-hmm. And so, what happens is these teams aren't really gelling well, and they may gel later, later in the season, late in the season, but they're not gelling right now. Mm-hmm. And it causes a lot of issues with a lot of turnover. Like, I think a good point is Georgia. The reason they look better and more competent is because while they don't ignore the portal and make some grandstand about it like Clemson and Dabo does. They only really realistically have two to three players turnover as a result of the portal per season. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, their entire starting 22, only one of them is from the portal, and that's because Ladd McConkie was hurt, right? So they're able to maintain the cohesion by using the portal for its intended purposes. Like, Alabama, I think one of our problems is I think we use the portal too much to try to plug in some holes. Buchner. But it might be better to try to just use it as kind of a one to two to three players per year and not try to right. plug in major gaps with it. Yeah, you still got to develop guys in-house. Like like you said, like I think it's good for if you like are really like in need of a position or two that you're kind of weak on, it can give you that instant success. But I think in general, it's pretty hard to build an entire team around transfers. Despite what Colorado claims it's doing, I think it's going to they're, – they're not going to sustain the success down the road. And part of it is culture, <laughs> culture building as well. So, yeah. like, for example, Alabama has a rich history of freshman players playing very well, especially at skill positions and making big contributions. The Devontae Smith and Tua were freshmen in the national championship game, for example. Um, so, but part of the reason those freshmen are so successful is because the senior leaders on the team so kind of trained them to know right. how to fit into the team culture. They're not just like, running the team as freshmen they're fitting into a team culture and allowed to excel as freshmen because the culture around them is good yeah i buy that i buy that all right so for the most anticipated segment every week we are now moving on to the mailbag we have i'm I'm trying to get the habit clapping when the mailbag comes on We got a lot of questions, dude. We have a lot. I think we're like we have like fifteen questions or something. So this this is gonna be a lot. I'm excited for this. All right. So without further ado, we will start with Hash Brown one three two. How are you not feeling today? Bama set up. You want optimistic. 
I am not feeling terrible. Feeling pretty good. Last I'm not game. feeling optimistic. I, I'm 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 gonna agree with you, Randy. I'm not feeling optimistic either about Wisconsin football. I mean, we just got they got to figure it out, man. That keep uh, the players keep talking, so you know. If I see one more Booker quote. I will go from not feeling terrible to feeling not good at all. I don't want to see all this crap about, oh, we got some feelings off our chest and we really came together as a team and talked about things. No, that's not how... Okay, I get players' meetings sometimes that's important, but the players' meetings need to be y'all screaming at each other to do your job. Yeah, like, I, come I, on, get some, have some passion and some fight. We're just coping the wrong way. Isn't that Satan's job? Isn't that Satan's job to fire them up, though? Isn't that, like, his responsibility to get guys mad? He's kind of so the thing about Saban is he's kind of not done that as much in the past couple of years, and I think a big part of it is he's just older now. He doesn't have the ability to do it with his age. If you want to be an elite football coach, well into your seventies, kids don't have grandchildren. That's that's the quote we're hearing today. So that's actually part of it. For those that don't know, part of the reason Saban stopped getting so angry, like visibly was because his grandchildren would watch him on TV and would ask his parents, ask Saban's kids, their parents, why is granddaddy so mad all the time on the TV? <laughs> and so he started taking that as a, as a lesson to not be so visibly angry because of how it affects the younger generation. So wow. that's actually something we have heard that he said himself. Sometimes the young ones need to harden up a little. Sometimes they got to pull up them bootstraps and get, <laughs> get ready to roll. With It'll the be okay to see Granddad scream a little bit. Just a little. Just a snitch. Every so often. Oh, Alright, so the next question is from Posty. When will the official Jim Podcast beer be dropped? Uh, so, well, wait, he, I guess we'll he, work on that. Well, here's the thing. I've, got a, I've actually got a buddy who um, works at a microbrewery here in Madison. Um, I don't think this is going to dox him. Look up Carbon 4 Brewing. We're giving a shout out to Carbon 4 Brewing in Madison. Uh, I've got a connection. So if, if, you know, when we go big, you know, when we make it on to BTN and the SEC network and we're looking for sponsors, um, they're probably my go-to source. We're, we're going with the local microbrewery for our sponsor. What, what type brewery. of beer would we have? Oh, I, I don't know. You know, uh, since I have to guess this is a very football-oriented, we could go for a fall-themed like beer or something. Okay. If, if it's later in the season, you know, we can get like a porter or stout going on. I could see the Jim Bobcast beer being a porter or so. I'm trying to, since Jimbo doesn't drink, I'm trying to like get a get a feel for his taste buds. And Jimbo has kind of a sweet tooth, so I could see it being like a sour. What's like the so yeah, I'm, I'm the only man in Wisconsin who doesn't drink alcohol. Um, what is like the beer equivalent of Mountain Dew? A sour. Yeah, pretty much a sour. Um, there's almost certainly a beer that comes close to that. Can we can we go somewhere? We can make it we red. Go with the sour. That's what the official gin podcast beer is. It will be a delicious sour or perhaps a nice cider. A cider? Oh, that would be good. Dude, I, I, like, be... I like apple cider. This, this can work out well. We'll go with that post. All right. So that guy 97 asks, is Ohio State good? Yes. Stop dubing. They're, re <laughs> they're really good, dude. They're really, really good. Yeah, they'll be fine. They'll they'll be probably more than fine as long as long as they don't like trip on themselves. I think they've got an easy path to at least eleven and one, which should be enough for the playoffs this year. So here's the thing with Ohio State is they play at Notre Dame this coming up week. It's the six thirty game on Saturday. 
that's going to be very interesting. Um, that really probably determines their season. Not necessarily determines their season, but how they look is going to be a big indicator of how good or not they are. It's a good test, so to speak. I think the thing is, they, they definitely can afford a loss, and Notre Dame will be tough. I, I agree with that. It's it's you know top 10 matchup on the road um, at night. It's going to be a tough game, but they can afford to lose that game and still make the playoffs. So... I don't know, man. They looked like they looked kind of crap in the first half against Western Kentucky, but in the second half, dude. I mean, come on. They did, when Ohio State gets going, they get going, right? They won sixty-three to ten. Any team that can put up sixty-three points against a team is probably pretty good. So I wouldn't worry about it, man. They'll probably make the playoffs. Yeah, yep. they'll, they'll be even if they do somehow like lose to Notre Dame. I think that might light a fire under them, under the weaknesses, and get a sharp an iron at the very least all the way through December. They do take a trip. They do take a trip later in the season to Camp Randall. <laughs> We're not doing State. I'm calling you right now. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to have 200 yards against us. In the first half or whole game? First half. He's going to have his Heisman moment against us. I guarantee dude, I, I'm serious. Like We have the worst secondary in FBS football. He's going to feast. Hey, so. you had, I know it was Georgia Southern, but you had like what? Five interceptions? No, look, First dude, time they, that's they had like 400 passing yards. That looks pretty effortless to me. <laughs> dude, I, wait, I'm looking it up now. Dude, no, people people looked at the score for Wisconsin versus Georgia Southern and thought, oh, okay, that was probably a pretty boring uh, game. No, it was close. It was but very no, close for over It was close. They were leading at one point in the second half. And yeah. if you look at the box score, dude, Georgia Southern had 383 passing yards against us. That is unacceptable. That line is actually pretty funny. Their quarterback, his name is Davis Brim. He went 33-52, 400 yards, one touchdown to five interceptions. <laughs> Thank God. That's, that's just, pretty funny. That's just a guy chucking it. He was like chucking, it. Just chucking it. He was chucking it all game. <laughs> these, are two, these are two teams that are really known historically for airing out the ball in big <laughs> air raid offenses. Wisconsin and Georgia Southern. Air raid, yeah. For those that don't know, Georgia Southern was a triple option team until like two years ago. That's true. Anyway, moving on to Banana Joe. So Colorado, even with the loss, probably keeps momentum. But what if year two, year three, Colorado still isn't successful or competitive? Are they falling apart? Is Dion trying to fix it still? Or is Dion dipping for another program? This is to get you to talk bad about Colorado because I do not like Colorado. I'm cracking my knuckles on this one. Dude, so I hate Colorado too. Everyone hates Colorado here on the Jimbog house. Let's put that out there. Um, I think that I, I think they I think he leaves two three years. I think he leaves to Florida State probably. That's my call. That depends on as soon as the Florida State job opens, he's gone. Yeah. With how Florida State's looking right now, I don't think it'll be open. But he will probably go to a bigger program in a few years. Even even if he succeeds at Colorado, like Colorado only gives you so much. In my the football program, like the absolute ceiling that they have is all based on like their fan base and how much they will give in to that program. And I don't think they can do quite as much as say any of the blue bloods or heck half of the Big Ten, if not more than. It. Well, that's the thing with the SEC and the Big Ten kind of taking over, right? The Big Twelve. We saw how crappy the Big Twelve was this week, right? I mean, moving forward, dude. Like, there's going to be job openings sooner or later at Florida. Right at Tennessee, you know Michigan State's open now. These these programs, you know these blue bloods, like you're saying, or at least like top tier programs. It seems mm. like every other year there's a big opening, right? The dude, it's only a matter of time. 
It's only a matter of time. He does not want to stay in Colorado, I can assure you that much. I think that this I think that kind of general rule of thumb is still present about, you know, what a team ceiling is based on their fan base. I think it changes a little bit with Dion because he's just different and that he can bring a lot of attention to a program that otherwise wouldn't be there. So he can all of a sudden create all this NIL money because of his brand and everything. So I think that that does change things a little bit, but I just I honestly kind of wonder if he's going to prefer playing in like an easier Big 12 conference where he can stack up talent and kind of win games like this and get this attention with a lot less pressure. Also, part of the reason he's at Colorado, or the reason he's at Colorado, is because they were basically like, yeah, you can have full control of the program, do whatever you want. You know, I don't think any major program is going to give him that same opportunity. The majority would not. Yeah, like, I couldn't see him getting that kind of freedom at, like, Texas, right? Or, you know what I mean? Like, a school where, like, the brand is very important. Colorado, I think, yeah. knew they had nothing to lose. So I, I, I get where you're coming from, but on the same token, I think he has no personal loyalty to Colorado, if that makes any sense. Oh, of course. All right, so Rice asks, by how many votes will Graham Mertz win the Heisman? He had a good game. He had he you called it Jim Stradamus called it he had the murder Mertz game murder Mertz, but the thing <laughs> is he's good for like one of those games a year so I I don't know Rice I mean I'd like to see Graham succeed I think he's a nice guy, but like let's be realistic here I think ten, it's it's much more likely that Tennessee is just kind of mid, than than Florida is good. So. It is definitely, the, or at the very least Florida is insanely good at home, but not much of anywhere else. Uh, Graham Mertz will win the Heisman by a negative number of votes. By that, I mean he probably does not. But I hope he does relatively decent, because the more Billy gets to struggle, the better. Plus, beating Georgia once would be funny. It would be funny if they beat Georgia. I kind of can see it, honestly. But that's just because Georgia, I think, is... Georgia is, is just waiting to be exposed. Uh, you're gonna keep saying that until this national championship game, and then they play <laughs> somebody who like backdoored in again. Oh boy, I can't wait to see what a struggling a team that struggled against Missouri is gonna do to a national title contender in TCU. Oh, uh, oh, that's what happened. Okay, uh, yeah. I want them to lose so bad. All right. Absolutely. Let's move on. NSB, the New Street Boss, asks: Will Maryland be five and zero heading into Columbus? Will anyone be a Big Ten dark horse other than Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan? Let's answer both those questions. So first of all, it is September, so Maryland is, you know, they have to win. Their next two games before Ohio State are at Michigan State and against Indiana. Based off of how terrible Michigan State is right now, and given their circumstances, yeah, I I think you're going to win both games. It might not be pretty, but Maryland should be 5-0 heading into Ohio State. Look, if if, if you are if you are not five and zero heading into Ohio State, you should fire Mel Tucker immediately. The man is playing a team without a coach. Mel Tucker and in the end, I think you got a big stuff. Mike Locksley. He has been officially fired now. So, yeah. Um, as far as Big Ten dark horses, I guess I could see like Those Iowa. Seasons. I don't know. It, actually, Iowa might be. They have a good offense this year. I, they they actually, I was going to say. I'm going to cope a bit. I'll say Maryland's a dark horse. All they got to do is beat, like, Ohio State and hope the rest of the top of the Big Ten East, like, cannibalizes each other, and there you go. I'll say this, dude. Michigan looks kind of bad. They should not, not be great. number two. They, like, like let's, let's be real for a moment. They won, like, what, 35 to 10, like, all three games. 
I don't know. Yeah, it's not that they look bad. It's that we literally can we know nothing about Michigan, and we're not going to know anything about Michigan until literally November. Their That's schedule is worse than Georgia's. It is pretty bad. It's a shame that the the, the one and two teams in the nation have the worst schedules. It 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 saddens me. But for what it's worth, Ennis beat uh, Talia Tagovailoa. He's well, yeah. having a good year, dude. He's got a he's got what? Let's see here: five touchdowns, two interceptions, eight hundred eighty nine yards through three games. That's pretty solid. That's good. I don't know, man. Quite good. Play that well. You might have a shot against Iowa State. All right, from Dilber. Uh, why haven't you talked about why Miami should be a top ten team? <sighs> you played Bethune Cookman. I'm just gonna say that. Um, <laughs> and let's be honest, it's Texas A&M. Everybody knows. It's SEC. Dude, they ah, expanded. Uh, they beat, doesn't count. They beat the mighty SEC. I don't know. They expanded. Not true. If Miami keeps winning. They will get talked about. I think Miami's doing actually very good this year. They had a very good win against Texas A&M. The win just wasn't wasn't just like a typical win against Texas A&M. They actually did beat the crap out of them and yeah. did not let off the gas. Cristobal's recruiting very well. They have a lot of talent. They have a favorable schedule where, like, really their hardest games are going to be what North Carolina, Florida State, maybe Clemson if Clemson somehow gets it together. That's the yeah, thing. That's I'll say this, Dilbert. Like, I think if Miami keeps winning, and certainly if Miami wins out, like, it, it, it means they will have beaten Florida State on the road. Which, if if by some miracle Miami is undefeated heading into that game at Florida State, that's going to be a huge, huge spectacle. That's going to have a lot of eyes on them. Win that game, and you are instantly propelled into the playoff conversation. So, I'm not sleeping on Miami. I don't know you guys. Part of it, to be honest, part of it is simply the fact that there are so much, there's so much chaos this year and so many narratives unfolding that inevitably some teams that look good that are kind of climbing the rankings are just kind of getting forgotten about unless they're traditionally, yeah. you know, traditionally up their schools with that. I know Miami has a lot of history, but yeah. I mean, traditionally as in within the past 10 years. Yeah. That, or you're a school coach by Dion. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, so now DK asks, does Notre Dame have a good shot of making the playoffs if they win this weekend? Yes. Yes. Do we really need to expand on that, or are we just are we, are we continuing on? I've got a decent chance. We're going to need you to beat Tebow, though. Yeah, please do. <laughs> yeah, no, Notre Dame's schedule, people meme on it, but like if they go if they go undefeated, they're, they're in. There, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. They play, let's see, I'll see USC, Clemson. Ohio State. I mean, it's favorable, Ohio State. That's Well, I'm assuming they beat Ohio State. I know that's quite the assumption, but, I mean, it's it's there. Favorable. Their hardest games are at home, so. It helps. See how it goes. They sure. don't have Buckner anymore, you know. <laughs> you're welcome for that. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, man. All right, from Coase. Is Oklahoma legit? Yes. Uh, Maybe. Thinking I'd say so, yeah. I mean, we can't really say for sure until the Red River shootout, but I believe believe they are. Yeah. Their schedule plays up perfectly for the type of coach that oh, – what's his name again? I don't even remember. I don't um, know, Venables? Yeah, Venables. So the type of coach Venables is, well, they have five really easy games to start off the season because you know he's that old school, we're going to build the program. <laughs> Where he doesn't expect those instant results, and they had the year they had last year, obviously. So, I mean, Red River Shootout could really tell us a lot about them. Other than that, their schedule is again very favorable. So, 
Dude, that the Red River shootout this year is gonna be insane. I mean, that's gonna be a top ten matchup. There's no way Texas is losing between now and then. No way Oklahoma's losing between now and then. And yeah, that's gonna really shape up whether or not Oklahoma is legit. But I don't know, man. Like I think worst like worst case scenario for Oklahoma, given how easy their schedule is, I think they're like ten and two and probably like an NY six contender. So I don't know. It should, be, it should be a pretty good year for them. Here's the thing about Texas, though. Um, I have a lock of the week I'm going to give a little bit later. (laughs) Not yet, not yet. But I'm going to say, I just feel like people are a little bit overreacting to the Alabama win. I don't think... uh, So Texas fans have had this weird dynamic with us the past couple of weeks. Like, they're trash-talking us, but in the opposite direction. Where they're trying to be like, yeah... Yeah, you know, you're just you're just trying to downplay our win. You're actually great. You know, you're going eleven and one. And we're like, no, we actually suck. You did not beat a good team. And like, oh yeah, sure, we'll beat you with a quote unquote real quarterback in the playoffs. I'm sure. We're coping and so it's like, hard. It's like this weird reverse trash talk, and it's like they don't want to accept that that win against us was actually not that great of a win in hindsight. Dude, I hate to say, the one against Wyoming kind of proved it. I mean. Dude, there's, that is not that bad, you guys. Like, like, come on, like, come on. I mean, I'm sure, relatively speaking, nationally, it's not that bad, but it it's also like, program speaking, one of the worst seasons since '07. I guess this was the first time. I think I saw a stat. It was like the first time Alabama wasn't ranked in the top ten since 2015. 2015, yeah. yeah. Good lord, you won the natty. You won the natty that year. Much different. The problem with that, the problem with that is after we lost to Ole Miss, we had we had the quarterback duel with versus Ole Miss, where we started Cooper Bateman, but we figured out in that game who our quarterback was, and then we continued on with the season with Jake Coker. We haven't done that. We yeah, have no, not figured out who our quarterback is. We don't have optimism no, like well, we had after the Ole Miss game. No well, we kind of know who our quarterback is, but that's because we know who our quarterback kind of isn't, or more like cannot be. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I tell you. Speaking of quarterbacks, right. Speaking of quarterbacks, Bro Down sixty four asks: Is Drake May the greatest quarterback to ever live? He is to me because he helped beat Minnesota last week. So I like him now. Drake May <laughs> is the North Carolina quarterback. I mean, he had a great, amazing season last season. He's starting off hot. North Carolina is one of those teams that always seems to have like a great quarterback, but then still finish like eight and four. That sounds about. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Mitch Trubisky, shout out. <laughs> Bears um, legend Mitch Trubisky. Sam Howell. The Scam Howell, yeah. Didn't he like? Yeah. Isn't he starting now? He like won He's a game. He's for the Washington Commanders. Yeah. Yeah. They just beat the Broncos, so I, I guess North Carolina is kind of a weirdly a, a quarterback powerhouse. For Drake May, though, one for sure. I think what Drake May is like, just looking at his stats this year, he has four touchdowns but four interceptions. He just, to me, he Ooh. seems kind of like a gunslinger type, which I don't know, man. Like, there's there's a lot of those these days, but I'm not too impressed by that archetype. All right, fair enough. X, X us. What is the primary issue that is holding back, holding Alabama back from getting elite coordinators again, like they did in the mid 2010s? Take the floor. A lot I of the think... coaches now, for starters. What do you say? I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you speak on that. A lot of the elite coordinators now are coaches at this point, for one thing. Um, so that's pretty much the big reason. Uh, the other one is 
when you have enough turnover, you're going to run out of coordinators that would want to go there because they eventually see some coordinator, like a lot, a lot of the Saban tree, aside from like Kirby and Jimbo way back when with Saban back at LSU, there haven't been many that have been nationally very successful. Like mainly applies to offensive coordinators, of course, but you know, the defensive coordinators we've been turning over, you know, Jeremy Pruitt, <laughs> he's, he's in a show cause for 10 years. Uh, Tosh Lapoy, the disaster of a DC we had in 2018, not, not great. Um, you know, I, I think some of that is a reason why we have not incredible coordinator options. It's a mixture of a lot of the elite ones are coaches and the fact that, well, we haven't been as cliche as this is for all the players saying it, haven't been playing to a standard as of recent. So part of that standard is the is on the coordinators. And I mean, eventually, yeah. like if you have to have this much turnover, eventually you're just going to bust. I think Saban nowadays is looking for more stability at the position and then looking for stability in the court at his coordinators. He sacrificed actual elite coordinators, a coordinator. I'm not quite a coordinator coaching. And we saw that with Bill O'Brien and Pete Gordon, where they weren't elite coordinators, but they were stable and they were loyal to the job. But ultimately, it doesn't, that doesn't mean much if they're losing us games, right? And also, another thing is that even when we had coordinator turnover, we had coaches that would stay between tenures. Like, we had a running back coach that was the running back coach for 15 years until he retired. That's kind of also been a thing that we're not having turnover at those at position coaches now as well. I mean, eventually you're just going to bust. And I think Saban's also getting to the point where like, while he's a CEO coach, CEO coach is still the greatest coach of all time. He's not, he doesn't have the youth to personally step in and fill in any gaps where the coordinator may fall. Mm. Do you think Alabama gets Jim Leonard uh, this offseason? I would love it if we got Jim Leonard this offseason. But we're probably, Kevin Steele is actually doing fine. Um, so I think he's offense. not. It's the offense that needs some rework, is what you're saying. I don't want to put it all on Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese almost kind of reminds me of like a better version of Bill O'Brien, where he's still trying to force a scheme instead of just genuinely looking at the players we have, seeing what their talents are, and making his scheme based completely around that because Kiffin was perfect at that. Kiffin saw we had Blake Sims as our quarterback and designed the entire offense around Blake Sims' skill set and, and in a way to minimize his faults. Like, he didn't put Blake Sims back there and expect him to pick apart defenses like Tom Brady. You know, he's just not that type of quarterback. Jalen Milrow really isn't either, but they're trying to force him to be, and he's just not. Yeah, Reese just has a bit of a favoritism towards an individual player problem and what we saw with Buckner getting the start last week for Lord knows what reason after what we saw. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, the schemes are fine. It's just a lot of execution in which you could say, like, hey, make plays that are easier for players to execute. It it can't be that hard. That was a problem we had with Bill O'Brien. He wanted wide receivers to have NFL routes. And then when he, the wide receivers couldn't because they're college wide receivers – he said, forget it, got lazy, and went with routes that went to the same position for some reason. Yeah, pretty much. Well, from I, Larry. Yeah, this, this, oh, go this, ahead. This leads really into our next question that I was going to say from Larry, which is, how cooked is Alabama? This is like the Alabama episode, but like, 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 let's be real. Like, Do you think Alabama's actually, like, is this it for the dynasty? 
Like, is this it? For the dynasty? I'm not going to say for the whole oh. dynasty, but this season, I just don't see how it gets salvaged. Yeah, we gotta we gotta remember here. Like, even looking back at Alabama historically, Bear Bryant had a, I think it was like a seven or eight year gap where he did not win a national title. You know, I mean, relatively speaking, you could say, hey, the 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 program is in a decline or what have you. But in terms of how cooked, if I had to get a proper cook here, cooking terms, I would say that the meat. Probably prepared, but the oven's not on. It, ha- we haven't, it hasn't started to cook yet. G- give it a little bit more time, and then I would say, okay, we, we, we're a little cooked. But- I mean, here's the thing. Is despite all these issues, we're still recruiting better than literally everybody. As long as we have talent on the roster, it can get figured out. It's just not guaranteed to happen. Yeah, once the, if, once the recruiting finally does decline, then I would say that the oven started to, started to catch some heat starting to preheat a bit but until then it's just you know off years happen um depending on what you hear from some gumps they would say that the real dynasty ended in like 2012 when we had three or four and then the rest of the time from then to present we've just been national title contenders the whole time and have gotten our fair share but i think that's beyond the scope of the question that's a good question right so Hez asks us, will Texas A&M beat Alabama this year? Ensuring Jimbo Fisher is extended for 10 years at $200 million. <laughs> Honestly, I, I couldn't even be mad if that were to happen. That would be a hilarious outcome. Um, it's very possible. I mean, shoot, that, that game's in what, three weeks from now? Three weeks coming yeah. up. So. A&M, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think just like in, in, in like a broader perspective, like if, if Jimbo doesn't get it done this year, if they finish six and six this year or whatever, like, do you think they're finally at the point in the contract where they can like afford to pony up the rest of his buyout? And like, this would be, no, it? they are not. Because they got about two more years of, of uh, Jimbo cooking left. How much I does saw where if they, if they did not extend him at all and still had him for, I believe seven more years, his buyout would still be higher than any current coach's buyout. Oh it's insane. Oh my god. So they, they're, they're stuck with him. I mean, there's just nothing they can do. How's a 20XX national champion trophy holding <laughs> out for here now. The haters are wondering. <laughs> they just need to stop doing that. Where they like have a blank national championship trophy case where it's dedicated to a future championship. Just like stop doing that. Frank Beamer did it. Jimbo Fisher did it. It's cringe every single time. It is. It is. That's how Steve asks, is Oklahoma State, Iowa State, the sicko game of the year? Basically, what the heck happened to the hateful eight? I'm going to say, yeah. 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 Dude, both teams are, you want to talk about cooked, Oklahoma State might be one of the worst P5 teams in the nation. That was rough. So, same with Iowa State. So, yeah, this is going to be up there for sure. They both have like anemic, horrible offenses, and their defenses aren't really great either. So it's going to be uh, interesting. That might be a game to DVR and have for the rest of the time. I'm praying for a three to two final. What do we it think happened? It might be a three to two final. <laughs> what, what, what did happen to the hateful eight? I mean, like it just in general, like the Big Twelve this year, it, it seems like every team, like literally every team, but Oklahoma and Texas are just having the worst year they've had in a long time. Like how how did how has this happened? Do, you, do you, either you have like any theories as to this? Brett Yormark gave a little too much hopium into the hateful eight, so it allowed their teams to soften up a bit. That, that's my theory. It was all spite 
when they heard about Texas and Oklahoma leaving to the SEC. And now that the time has come and they actually aren't a dying conference, the opposite of what the Pac-12 is happening is now happening to the Big 12, where it's like, oh, we don't have to really give it our all because this is not our last raw type of deal. There will be another paycheck. Honestly, That's kind that. of true. Like They're that. not literally fighting for their existence at this point. There's just something to be said. When you're literally fighting for your whole existence, you're going to... A little bit, little bit more fight in you. Just a smidge. Just a smidge. All right. So the next question is, well, from our guest before he, I guess he realized he was going to be a guest, <laughs> was from Bama Side Up, are you ready for Duke to go 11-1 and one at worst in the regular season? Okay, explain yourself, Bama Side Up. What, what are you cooking here? Very favorable schedule. They're in the ACC. They've already taken care of Clemson. All they have to do, I mean, honestly, more than likely, what I'm thinking is probably going to happen is ten and two, but eleven and one was funnier, so I wanted to go with the with the with the hopium take, okay? Because you know it'd be funny for a for a basketball school to be decent at football, because um, their only two really tough games are in my at this point, like what Florida State and UNC, both Notre of those Dame. on the road. Notre they, Dame, they play Notre they Dame. They got Notre Dame. Dame? Yeah, they'll go two or three. They'll go two. They'll go two or three. I can see that. They're taking care of one beast in the ACC. They'll take care of another. So their coach, their coach is actually very good. I don't remember his name, but he came Mike in Elko. and immediately had like a nine-win season with a lot of kind of at strife Duke. at the program. At Duke, like that, that just doesn't happen. Last time a person did that was probably like Steve freaking Spurrier. Spurrier, like that's pretty good. I wouldn't mind seeing him. Like when Saban eventually retires, I would not mind looking at that man's resume saying, "Hmm, he might be able to cook." Let's just, just maybe, it on you know, I'm curious, folks, like like right now, if you had to pick the replacement to Nick Saban, who's this going to be? Both of you. I want both of your honest-to-God takes. Ben Kiffin. Like, who who we're actually going to get? Who, who who do you personally want right now, if you had to pick? Oh, it's such a tough choice. I mean, honestly, as of right now, since it would be, like, obviously you can't replace the dynasty with another one, I'd probably go with Lane Kiffin as, like, a as an intermediate, like, you're, step. You're both saying Lane. it would be fun. You're it would be fun lane. if nothing else. Randy, do you yeah. agree? I agree. I want Lane Kiffin. I mean, I feel like him with more resources could probably turn out something. He's been great at Ole Miss. I mean, he's got them consistently winning. What? Let me check his records here. He's got them eight and five, ten and three. He's they're undefeated this year. I mean, they he's got them looking good. He you could know? win a conference title at Alabama. He could. Absolutely. You're not just hyping the well, ball. The playoffs, we don't need to be perfect in the regular season. We just need to get to the playoffs. And then I feel like Kiffin is the type of coach that would be perfect at knowing how to scheme to win these playoff games once he gets there. Major shout-outs to the haters for letting that expansion happen. For it to happen at a potentially a time where Saban's getting older, and you know what that means. Yeah. I don't know, man. We'll see. All right. So the next question is from Lobro. Who is the most likely team in the top 10 to disappoint and finish outside the top 10 or even be unranked? Uh, it's like the top 10. Texas, probably. Texas. 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 They didn't start in the top 10, though, did they? No. In the top I'm, 10 now. I'm saying top the, 10. Oh, oh, well, I guess it would be Texas after their game against Wyoming. But, uh, yeah, I'd have to relook at the top two. No, so maybe Florida State. State. Florida State, eh, I could see that. I could see them finishing outside the top ten, but not unranked. Whereas I could see Texas actually finishing unranked. 
Uh, let's see Florida State dropping a couple games because their schedule is kind of difficult. Like they play Florida, they play Duke, they play Clemson, they play um, they play Notre Dame. I think I think it just there has a lot of landmines in their schedule, and I could see them not being because LSU played horribly against them, and then all of a sudden LSU looked great versus Mississippi State. So who knows what to make of that? Texas, I just feel like their win versus us wasn't that good. <laughs> I'm just saying they're gonna get, they're gonna beat us and they're gonna get way ahead of themselves I, and I crown agree. themselves champions week two. I agree with that. that, and that's why I could see Texas falling in the long run. All right, good question, Lil bro. Next question is. Last question is going to be from Cameron. Tell us something about electricity that the average person wouldn't know about. Jimbo, with you being the electrical engineer, yeah. I'm going to give this one to you. I actually thought about this one, Cameron. This is a good question. As an electrical engineer, I think one thing people really, like, maybe think is fake or, like, just, like, boomer talk is the idea of electrical, like, wireless signals, um, you know, being... Uh, being covered up by, by, by like buildings, right? It's like this idea of like, oh, I'm not getting good reception. Let me move over here, right? You, you might think that's a myth. You might think that's just like, like an old wise tale, but like it's, it's actually kind of true. Um, electromagnetic waves uh, do struggle to go through certain materials, uh, especially metal. If you've ever found yourself like on the can, on the toilet, on your cell phone, right? And you've noticed like you're getting, you're getting kind of bad reception for whatever reason in your bathroom, it's probably because there's a lot of metal pipes in your bathroom and, and metal tends to kind of disrupt electromagnetic waves, AKA like radio Wi-Fi signals. Um, and it, it tends to break up those signals. So like it, there, there actually is some truth to this. Like if you're not getting good Wi-Fi or just like not good cellular reception, like leave the building and you're probably going to have a way better, way better time. Then aside up, do you have any, are you an electrical engineer? <laughs> Not an electrical engineer, but I have taken a class in electrical engineering for a uh, civil engineering degree. I just had to take it as an elective. Biggest regret of my life, it was painful and suffering and very difficult. It's God terrible. bless you, Jimbo, for it's being terrible. able to go through the grind set. But I can confirm metal really messes with uh, with Wi-Fi and like cellular data and stuff. Because like, my hometown, there's a restaurant that used to be in a old building with a metal roof. And the service there, non-existent. Straight up not yeah. It's real. It is absolutely real. There you go. That's very interesting. Okay. All right. So we're going to do a brief preview for week four. And in doing so, we're really going to focus on, I guess, the how these games lead to the narrative of the season unfolding. I don't want to go into, like, big stats, you know, predictions or whatever. We will give our locks of the week. We each have a lock of the week ready. But I see a lot of upcoming games that are going to really affect how the narrative unfolds, that are really going to affect the playoff race. We're finally getting to that point. And in a season of chaos and in a season of a lot of unknowns, it's going to be very interesting to watch these games. So in order to just kind of list them out and maybe say a couple words about them, I'm going to start with Florida State at Clemson. Clemson has had their grades collectively danced on by the media, well, everybody is hyping up Florida State so much as this next, like, incoming playoff team. And I can just imagine so many ways this game goes wrong for Florida State this weekend. So with that being said, my lock of the week is Clemson beating Florida State. Dude, you literally stole my lock of the week. 
Oh no. I'll find a new one, but wow. No, I totally agree, Randy. I totally agree. And I hate to say it, because I like FSU, I like Lobro, great guy, but I, I know what you're saying. Clemson really should be ranked. I think I think the AP poll did him dirty by unranking this week. So I could see it. I think Clemson has a chance. Another game that's going to very much impact the narrative of the season is Colorado plays at Oregon. Is this even a hot take to say Oregon's winning? Like, at, like, every, not, oh, no, definitely everyone not who's like, favorite. I'm just every, saying, like, serious college football fan knows Oregon's winning. You know what I mean? I'm just saying it would be crazy if Colorado does win. It'll it'll show us a lot about both of these teams. I think if Colorado, if Colorado beats Oregon in Eugene without Travis Hunter, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm gonna do something. I don't know what that is, but I would do something. That's crazy i don't know if i i don't know if i can go that crazy with it but to be honest but it would it would shake up a lot it would make a lot of the pac-12 haters start speaking up again about oh they'll just keep cannibalizing themselves and not actually be good which is clueless considering what they did non-con but i digress and to keep it in the pac-12 we have another undefeated ranked pac-12 matchup which is ucla at utah both undefeated is Cam Rising still injured? Yes. Yeah. Oh. That's I tough. Think, I think UCLA wins this one, dude. I like Chip. I yeah. love Chip Kelly. I think he's underrated. Is this just going to be another situation where they cannibalize each other in the conference yes. and they're all like eight and four, nine and four, nine and three teams at the top? Probably I, more like two and two at the top. Yeah, I think like USC and Oregon, maybe Washington are like the top tier. UCLA and Utah are like a tier below them. But I mean, you never know. This should be a good game for what it's worth. I think it's the Vegas has Utah favored by four and a half. So like, on paper, it should be a pretty close matchup. Mm. All right, the next one I have is Ole Miss at Alabama. This is just a, a very going to say a lot about both teams. Bama side up. Who do you got? In Ole Miss, Alabama, uh, I, 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 will, I will always be a homer on the record. <laughs> We're going to have Kiffin getting ready for that popcorn just like he did two years ago. Bama by 28. 28. We're going to do it, baby. We're going to do it, baby. Yeah, We're going to run the ball for like believe. 500 yards, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Um, I'm just going to be honest. I'm not optimistic at all. <laughs> I'm willing to just assume Stop this doing. Stop your dooming. <laughs> Dude, so, uh, we do, it is peak golden. So the thing about this is like exactly. we are playing our former defensive coordinator from last year, Pete Golden, who is notorious for like technically having these amazing game plans that are like on paper the X's and O's are perfect, but it's like so overcomplicated to the point where it's not practical to implement and the players just simply they don't they're having a constantly searching guess because they don't know where they're supposed to be on the field and it's just too complicated and it leads to so many coverage busts. I could see Pete Golding like overthinking himself into losing the game. I'm more scared of Kiffin than I am of Golding. Me and all of my homies despise the Cheetah package with a passion. I despise oh, it. I hate the Cheetah package. We oh, have me, so many third and longs, third and ten plus plays would just get converted by the opposing offenses because of the stupid Cheetah package. It's like, okay, well, you have one line, and so we're just going to run it for ten yards, and they get the first down. What's the cheetah package? One, one defensive lineman. lineman. 
and you try to like force a strong blitz on the pass rusher with one uh, defensive I lineman. What exactly, it is. It's like a. I think it's a shoot. It's like a one four six or a one three seven, something like that. Something ludicrous. It's insanely light. Wow. Yeah, it's insanely light, and the point is to try to like with that speed, we'll get to the pass, get to the quarterback as soon as possible. Okay. The problem though is if an O lineman, if it, if an offensive line is even remotely competent, it just doesn't work at all, especially if the quarterback's mobile. So I guess what I'm hearing is Alabama's going to win pretty easily. Based, yes, that's the gumping we need uh, on this. Podcast. You know what? I'll actually do that right now. I'm gonna. Well, is this stealing? Is this your lock of the week? Alabama set up, or am I stealing it? Am I stealing if I take this one? No, I have, I have a, I have a very spicy lock of the week. Because I'll, I'll say this, then I'll say my lock of the week is Alabama beats Ole Miss. I'm gonna one up you by thirty five. Yeah, baby, that's what 35. I like to hear. It's gonna be an old fashioned Alabama beatdown, dude. I've just had, lock, I've had the past two and a half years to beat the optimism out of me. Um, <laughs> anyway, what Another narrative unfolding game we're going to have is Ohio State at Notre Dame. It's going to be, again, one of those games that's just going to tell us a lot about both teams. It's going to help unfold the season. Here's the thing is that this one game in a vacuum actually doesn't really affect the season for either of these teams. But what really matters the most is just how the teams look. They need to actually look competent in these games to show that they're able to win a championship or show that they can improve enough to win. Major question, obviously, for Notre Dame. If they can beat Ohio State, can they win the big game? How many big games have they had versus the amount they've been able to win? A lot of haters been asking. Consider and they need so. to shut the haters Consider. this year. So the Notre Dame fans of the Jim Podcast have told us that that was mostly a Brian yeah, Kelly issue. Exactly. I could see it. I could see it. Brian just, Kelly. Just after cool. watching him two seasons, a season and a half at LSU, like I, I get where they're coming from. I see it. Yeah. I definitely see it. It's possible. Because maybe, maybe they maybe they prove the haters wrong on Saturday. It, it would be great. People can remember great, uh, Marcus. Marcus Freeman had a big win last year against number four Clemson at the time. Number four. Um, and they, he did win uh, their bowl game last year, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl <laughs> against South Carolina. So there, I, I, I do actually kind of believe the the idea that Brian Kelly was to blame for Notre Dame's struggles in the past. For what it's worth, man, Notre Dame looks kind of really good this year so far. Um, we got four games to base them off of, which is more than most teams of three. And they've looked really solid in every single game. I, I, I get that it's against an inferior competition, but this one's at home at night against Ohio State. I think they pull it off, dude. I think they pull it off. With the home crowd, absolutely. Yeah. They're I certainly appreciate how Marcus Freeman, I know like after they lost to Marshall last year, he just had like this meeting. He was like, hey, our process isn't working. We're going to change this and this and this up. And it worked. And it just shows that he's smart and able to really like prepare and he's a step ahead kind of thing. Yeah. Even yeah. if he kind of started to overcome. So the final game that's a, a narrative unfolding game I'm going to talk about is Iowa at Penn State. And with Jimbo being the resident Big Ten fan here, I'm going to – well, I want to hear what you think about this. So, like, there's a, defeated. there's a meme that Iowa has a bad offense. Um, and while it is kind of true, I'm not saying they're elite by any means, um, Iowa's offense only needs to be, like, good, like a slightly above average in order for them to win pretty much every game against any opponent they face. 
Yeah, you gotta understand, like, Iowa's defense is elite. Like, like genuinely, as... It, they're maybe second only to Georgia, in my mind. Like, they're, they're, they're better than most SEC teams, okay? So, with that good of a defense, uh, a defense that can shut down anyone, including Penn State, you only need to score, like, 21 points, maybe. Like, to, like 17 points to probably win most games. And... I think they kind of do it this year, dude. Like, they're, they're good enough to score 21 points and beat Penn State. So, don't sleep on them. I think at a minimum, Iowa shows up. At a minimum, it's going to be a very uh, uh, close game. Uh, one that I think Iowa has an edge over. I just wonder right. if they'll be able to do that in a, in a wideout situation. But I do agree. Their defense is solid, and their offense has improved. Quite a bit. 41 Especially points, dude. Especially the last year's aberration. 41 the thing points. is, like, it seems like away environments don't affect Iowa just based on their play style, the way it affects other teams. Yeah, because it's not dependent on, like, a quarterback, you know, making, like, big plays. Like, they're, they're very much like, they're still a ground and pound kind of team. You know, whittle away at the, the opponent's defense, tire them out, right? Um, Run it down their throat till they turn to ash. And for what it's worth, dude, it, it does, isn't Penn State historically, like, Kind of mediocre in the Whiteout games. Yes. Like they have like a losing. I mean, you're the you're the Big Ten fan. You're the one that should know, right? I'm, I'm pretty sure they have a losing record in Whiteout games, and I, I get that they're playing Whiteout games record? against good teams, but they don't like. It, it's a Whiteout. It's just they're just wearing white. It doesn't. It's not magic, right? It's not like a magic power. It's just they're just wearing white. I think Iowa wins. So that's the, all the narrative games, but I know Bama side up said he had his spicy lock of the week, so we're going to give him that opportunity to share with us. You know, take a look at the record, at the schedule and take a, taking a look at how a certain Big Ten team has been doing. Oh. And, and y- y'all are almost right on the money. I, I took a look at Michigan's schedule. You know, 30-3, to 35-7, to 31-6 over an East Carolina team that – while they were good, decent last year for a mid-major, not great currently. I believe they, in fact, lost their most recent game. Mm. Uh, UNLV, who, while they did beat Vanderbilt, is still UNLV. Correct. And Bowling Green, a MAC team. And while I love the MAC, bless the MAC, even, for their traditional ways of doing things as a conference, I think Michigan's not legit. And the perfect way to prove that is when Rutgers comes into Ann Arbor. Oh, my God. <laughs> does something that should not ever happen. Probably would not need to happen. But by golly, I believe it happened. Finally, Rutgers gets a marquee win for the first time since, like, 2014 or whatever it was. When they beat Michigan. And they when they beat Michigan, it all connects. Nine years. It's been nine years since they've done something. They're 3-0. and They are primed to do something. Let them cook, and, that, and cook they will. Their lock of the week, my lock of the week, is Rutgers going to the big house, taking down the Michigan Wolverines, and making the entire Big Ten East look like an absolute cluster, an absolute madhouse. What would we think after that? A defending playoff contender last year. Losing at home to Rutgers? Oh, it'll be glorious. Honestly, I see it happening. I see it happening, dude. Michigan looks weak. They should not be number two. I think Michigan's going to be exposed, and God willing, Rutgers does it. 
Rutgers had similar scores with Michigan, too. All three of them are home games. The difference is they played two Power 5 teams. There you go. Northwestern, they won 24-7. to Temple, they won 36-7. Virginia Tech, 35-16. to They're pretty similar MOVs here. That's a good win. I'm that's, just saying. That's a good win over Virginia Tech. I'm just saying. There you have it. Just, I'm going to be honest, I I admire your willingness to uh, <laughs> go for that, but I just don't see it happening. Michigan just didn't show anything versus their crappy G5 teams. They, well, they, well, they won't show anything. Gonna, they're going to come out and assert themselves. It is what it is. The, the, only, the only thing they'll be asserting on Saturday is that they have nothing to show. There it's going to be time. There you have it. So, real quick, uh, I am going to, uh, for the first time I think ever, in Jim Bobcast history, I'm going to be raffling off a $20 pizza gift card uh, on air. Uh, and I have two witnesses with me right now, Bama Side Up and Brandy, so it's they know it's legit. Uh, I'm, of course, raffling off a $20 pizza gift card because Wisconsin managed to somehow come back and defeat uh, Georgia Southern and the mighty Sun Belt. Uh, so right now I have a, I, I'm on wheelofnames.com. I have entered in every name of every user who reacted to my post, all 10 of them. Um, does anyone want to read the, off the list of potential winners here? I guess I'll do it. We have Bama Side Up, Posty, Cameron, Sexo Steve, Bro Down, Four Wombly's, Jimbo Fisher. Did you? <laughs> Am I allowed? Okay. I reacted. Yeah, you, I guess you reacted. We have oh, Sora, we have me, and we have Banana Joe. Do you think I should take my name off? Is that is that illegal or like what's what do you think? Is that ethical? Go ahead. Uh, if it lands on you, how about we re-roll? How about that? Okay. Yeah, I, I like that for the memes. All right, we're gonna spin. And we are watching it live on his. He's sharing a screen with us. So. Yeah. yeah. No, this is this is completely unbiased. So here we go. Spinning the wheel in three, two, one. You hear that? Spinning. Uh huh. <gasps> Saxo Steve, Saxo Steve, congrats. congratulations! Congratulations, we have a winner, Saxo Steve. Uh, I'll be uh, I'll be unveiling this on Thursday. I guess we're recording this on Monday, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be Saxo Steve. I'll I'll be messaging you with details. Congrats on the twenty dollars pizza gift card. I uh, I hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody. So that wraps up this episode of the Gym Podcast. I enjoyed having you on Ben Side Up and having some emotional support. Anytime, be available. Yeah, shouts out to Ben Side Up. Really appreciate you having on the show. Um, shouts out to Saxo Steve on winning the gift card, and shouts out to like all fifteen of you who sent us mailbag questions. Um, excellent questions as always. Uh, should be a fun week, folks. We got six ranked matchups coming up here, and I guess. Michigan's losing. I mean, Bama's winning by 35. We got a lot of stuff coming up here to look forward to. So, until then, folks. 